Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Stephen Brannan. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Today is the Feast of Christ the King. It's the last Sunday of October every year, and uh, it's a pretty late Sunday in October this year. It puts us very close to two days um, that are significant, especially in regard to the kingship of Christ, but I'll come back to those days in a minute. What does it mean to say that Christ is the king? I think it's not a stretch for us to use that kind of language. We have it in our hymns. Uh, we, we use it in our um, psalms and in the prayers that we pray on a regular basis. So we're used to the language, but how often do we actually consider the concept? What are the consequences for Christ, not only to be our God, but to be our king? What is a king, actually? A king is a ruler. A king is one who is sovereign, who commands uh, might and strength and military um, power, but also who commands uh, the, the making and giving of laws, um, pronouncing judgments. A king is someone who also is invested with a degree of pomp and honor and ceremony wrapped in beautiful clothing. We don't have a king in America anymore. We don't have in our imaginations the fullness of kingship anymore as um, modern Western people, especially Americans. I don't know about Australians. I don't know if they're kings over there. No one knows what is going on down there. But in the world, there are fewer and fewer kings and queens. Thank God there's still a queen over in the uh, United Kingdom who... Um, you know, the prime ministers have to enter a room and bow before and explain themselves and then bow themselves back out of the, the room. There's, a, I think, a, a, a wisdom in that, that that we might be missing, but that's beside the point. A king in the biblical concept is um, something that is just this um, the amazing figure, power, strength, Ideally, a king should be just. Ideally, a king should wear well his dignity. But we talk about Jesus not just as a king, but the king of kings. Now, that's a strange concept, the, the idea of a lord of lords and king of kings, someone who um, is an emperor, essentially, who rules all other kings and their kingdoms. Once upon a time, um, the world was set up so that that was the way it was meant to be. When God created the world, <clears throat> he planted a garden and he made man, put him in that garden and said, you are to be my servants by taking care of this garden. And then once you master that, you are to extend out beyond it, subdue the earth <clears throat> and take care of it for me. Um, so that everything is ordered well and you are under me as the king. So we were actually created to be kings in the world under the kingship of God. 
and not just us, but the angels as well. But something happened in Genesis, in that garden, where one of those angelic beings decided to come up with his own system. And he convinced mankind to follow him in that error. What he did was told a lie. And that threw off track the original plan that God had for us, his creatures, and also his angels. Chapters later in Genesis, we read that there were more rebellions, that there were uh, what the scripture calls the sons of God, that is, angelic beings, spirit beings who were supposed to be working for God, working with him as his, uh, his royal court, his you know, family, sons of God. But they rebelled. They did bad things with people. They led people farther and farther astray. And this created such a bad situation that God decided to wipe it out with a flood, almost all of it. He did see one righteous family, Noah and his immediate family, and save them through the flood in order to start over. But because not everything was wiped out, because Noah in his righteousness was spared, and through him his sons, there was still a remnant of that old evil that made it through the other side. And even though God was attempting to start over again, human beings and the angels continued to rebel. They kept finding ways to work against God so that God was not their king. Eventually, this came to a head at a place called Babel. People and angels, continuing in their rebellion, uh, set to work against God and set themselves up as potential rulers in their own right. People, instead of meeting God where he was to be met, decided they would build their own pathway to heaven, that they would exercise some control over God and say, we will build this tower that reaches to the heavens so that we can call down God at our leisure, so that we can have the strength and power. And God, looking at this, says, fine, let's go down and see what they're up to. They want to build a place that reaches to the heavens. I'll meet them there, see what's going on. And when he met them there, he confirmed them in their wickedness by breaking up their languages. And as Moses tells us later in um, Genesis and Exodus, God at that moment apportioned all the peoples of the earth according to the number of the sons of God, that is according to the angelic rulers that he had assigned to help rule over the earth. So instead of all people being of one language and having one king, that is God, God said, you know what? This is enough. I'm going to split up your languages and split you up as people into different nations, and I'm going to put you under your angelic rulers, and you're going to just have to wait. And what happened with those angelic rulers is that they set themselves up as little kings, that they decided instead of being faithful to God again, being kings under the one king, that they would be their own kings. And these angelic rulers became the gods of the nations. 
Again, it was a falsehood. They pretended to be gods in their own right, and they led the peoples astray, and these peoples learned how to worship, but not the true God, the false gods. Now, of all the nations that had been split up and under these uh, wandering, rebellious spirit rulers, God was not done with humankind. He, out of them, picked one man, a, name, a man by the name of Abram, and he said, I'm going to call you out of your people to a new place, and I'm going to make a covenant with you that your descendants will be like the stars. That is not just in number. I heard this on a podcast this week. It blew my mind. It's amazing. But in kind. What were stars to the ancients? They were gods. They were divine uh, beings. Stars shone with a kind of divine glory that we don't, we don't shine with. Do I, I don't shine. I'm pretty pale, but I don't, I don't think I've ever shone. Um, people don't shine like stars. But when God said, your descendants will be like the stars, he didn't just mean numerous. He said they'll be like the sand, which means numerous. But like the stars, they will also be shining. They will be like gods. They will be like kings. They will be elevated to what they were supposed to be in the first place. And as a sign for this, I'm going to, um, sh I'm going to give your, your descendants this land that you're now camping on. They will inherit this land, and that will be a sign that my covenant will be fulfilled with you. Now, the covenant was not that the people would inherit the land, i.e. the Hebrews would have this land forever. It's just that they would inherit it, and they did. And once they did, God continued working with them to try to pull them away from all those false gods all around them, to try to separate them out from the other nations constantly crowding around them, in fact, to bring them out of falsehood and into truth. Truth. There's this ongoing theme of truth with the kingship of God. So eventually, when a lot of history since Abraham and Moses had passed, the people had inherited the land, but they couldn't keep it together, literally. They split up into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom got sent off into, uh, into exile, never really came back. The southern kingdom held on for another few generations, but they eventually got carried off into exile too. Now they did come back and, and sort of retook the land as best they could, but there was some confusion in the time of Jesus about, is God even still in the temple? When we broke his commandments and we were carried off and foreigners came in and ransacked the temple, the presence of God seems to have disappeared. Well, now we're back and we rebuilt it, but is God back? What about the Messiah that God was teaching us about while we were in exile? This ruler who's going to be our king to come back and save us from our oppressors, the Greeks, now the Romans. What's going to happen with that? There are a lot of pretenders. There are a lot of would-be messiahs people who did uh, raise up an army, make the Jews excited, and then would be crushed. This happened over and over and over. And so Rome, by this point, was a little wary of these pretenders, a little wary of when the Jews were talking about kings coming to rescue them. 
So we come to our gospel passage today when the Jews have been saying, this man is saying he's a king. He's trying to cause trouble like you've seen with these other kings. And Pilate is questioning Jesus and he says, are you a king? Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus, having in mind that whole cosmic history of the world, beginning with the fall in the garden, with the falls that kept happening, that prompted the flood, that split up the nations at the Tower of Babel, thinking about not just human history, but the the falls of angelic creatures. This is a cosmic story, and Jesus knows all of this. What's in Pilate's mind? A little law and order in a very small territory. That's what Pilate's worried about. That's what Rome was worried about. Rome was, you know, the Roman emperor was the closest thing that anyone had seen up to that point of a king of kings. He was an emperor, and he had a lot of nations under his direct control. But it's still small potatoes compared to the story that Jesus knew and was working for. And so Pilate asks him what he's about. What are you doing? And Jesus says, this is the reason I've come into the world. To tell the truth. The falsehood that was in the garden, that was before the flood, that was at Babel, that kept throwing the Hebrews, the Israelites, and later the Jews off track over and over and over. The falsehood of false gods, the falsehood of of small stories, the falsehood of forgetting the point of God's covenant with Abraham. All of this, Jesus came to combat. He came to tell the truth. And he said, those who listen to my voice know the truth and they belong to me. Jesus is a king. He didn't say to uh, to Pilate, I'm a king. When Pilate asked him, are you a king? Jesus said, those are your words. I know what kind of king you are thinking. You're using language that you don't even understand. To be a king, my kind of kingdom is not of this world. My kind of kingdom is heavenly, and it's coming to bring truth into this world of falsehood. Jesus was not yet crowned as king in this moment. He was crowned mockingly with thorns, but he accepted that crown because that was the one path, the only path toward his true kingship. He was on the road to to being seated on his heavenly throne, and that road took him through the cross. It took him into the grave. It took him down into hell. And finally, when he had gone all the way through all that, like a romantic medieval prince uh, rescuing his beloved from the dragon in the deep dark cave, after he earns that, he comes back to his father's house and is seated on the throne. That's what we celebrate in the Feast of the Ascension, is the coronation of Christ. Jesus finally is raised to the throne in heaven, seated on it, and crowned with many crowns, like we heard in the Revelation passage. Upon his head are many diadems. So Christ is now the king. He's the king of all of creation. He's definitely the king of this world. 
But what does that mean for us, practically? Those two days that are quickly approaching are Halloween and November 3rd, Election Day. What happens on Halloween? Um, well, a lot happens on Halloween. People imagine that they can, you know, this is a good night for seancing and, and other stuff like that. That's silly, that misses the point. As Christians, we are on Halloween given an opportunity to jeer at the rebellious powers in the world. All those spirits, all those false gods, well, they're still around. The world is still haunted constantly by them. They, uh, they try to make themselves known. They still seek their own glory and honor, but they have no power. On Halloween, we uh, dress up as ghosts and skeletons and, and decorate our yards to say, you know, this is, uh, th th this is kind of funny, you guys, and your, your silly stuff, all your spookiness. Christ is your king. You, you tried setting up this, this rebellion over and over again. You had the nations under your control at one point. Everyone was scattered. But what happened 50 days after Christ's ascension, uh, 50 days after his resurrection? Pentecost. Christ sent his spirit into the world to reverse the curse of Babel. You know, all the people speaking different languages heard the apostles in their own tongues because God has the power. He has the power to scatter tongues and he has the power to bring them back together. He sent the apostles out into the world to preach the gospel, the truth, the good news into all those lands that had been scattered. All those peoples who are laboring under the false, untrue gods, they now get to hear about the true God. Everything is reversed. The powers have no power anymore. And if the spirit powers are now subject to Christ the King in this world, the human powers definitely are subject to Christ the King. Whoever gets elected the first week of November, what is that, two weeks away now? Christ is king. If Trump becomes president for four more years, Christ is king. If Biden gets elected to the presidency for four years, Christ is king. If America implodes because people lose their ever-loving minds and can't hold it together anymore, Christ is king. Nations come and go, empires rise and fall, but Christ is king. His saints endure throughout all time. You know, <laughs> Christ's kingdom is eternal, but it's also present. It's right now. It lasts forever, but it's got currency in the here and now today. That's what it means for Christ to be king. Does it just mean He's uh, up in heaven, and there's you know, this cosmic imagery of, of him seated on a throne and all the glorious stuff from Revelation. This has currency. In the book of Acts, when Stephen was stoned, he looked up, and the heavens were opened, and right there in the sky, he sees Christ standing up at the side of his father to welcome Stephen, his, his servant and martyr. Christ wasn't a long way away. He was just behind the veil. And he pulled it back so Stephen could see him. When Saul was persecuting Christians, he was knocked off his horse when the heavens were opened again and a bright light shone around 
And Christ talked directly to him and said, what are you doing, Saul? Why are you persecuting me? Me, you're persecuting me through my saints. I'm present with them. I'm right here. He didn't have to make a long trip to talk to Saul. He just pulled the curtain back again. Christ is king right here, right here. He's not a long way away. He's not far from us in our struggles, our temptations. He's right there. We just can't see past the veil, but it's a thin veil. This world belongs to him, not to us, not to our government, not to any government. It belongs to Christ. Christ is king. That's what we're celebrating today. The fact that Christ rules all and rules us right here today. Take comfort in that. Enjoy Halloween knowing that Christ is king. Enjoy election day knowing that Christ is king. Enjoy every day knowing that Christ is king. It's not just a statement, it's a, it's a praise to say that. Christ is king, and that's the truth. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.